Hello and welcome to, I was very loud just then, sorry about that, <laughs> welcome to Canqueer, home of Canada's queer media, and yet again, I have replaced Sebastian. Uh-huh. I am very excited, uh, Alex, thank you for, for joining us today. Why, thank you. Excellent, can we just, I'm going to turn you up, you're a little bit... Oh, I'm just quiet, don't mind me. There we go, that's what the volume uh, is for, there we go. <sighs> Wonderful, all right, so we, are, we have a lot to talk about uh, today. It's been a it's been a very busy busy week. Uh, yeah. Earlier we were talking about all the gay things that happened. <laughs> um, now, for our regular listeners, you may not be aware that uh, uh, if you're listening to us live right now on CIUT, uh, then obviously you know where we are. We're in Toronto. Uh, for folks who have syndicated the show or listening to the podcast, first of all, thank you. Um, but yeah, we are. We talked briefly earlier about uh, the expressions of queer culture here in Toronto. Um, and one of the questions I asked you, I kind of want I thought you gave a really good answer to, is around the kind of impact that this sort of inflationary crisis is having on the ability for queer folks to really gather and connect and build community and, you know. Cause he lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just have, have lives, you know. It's it's so, um, it's incredibly expensive now, I think, to to engage with culture yeah i barely do it anymore i just i i, I work and i stay home <laughs> yeah there's not much that happens to me outside no. of uh, outside of being in the office that's for sure i question whether or not it's it's cost of living or if it's just you know i'm getting old but i <laughs> if i could i would right yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I know that uh, you're right. I think I think it's taking me a little bit of a little bit of time to uh, uh, escape the shackles of the pandemic. You know, when when everything was closed and everyone was going to kill you if they so much as breathed in your direction. Um, and then, of course, you know the massive rise in hate crimes, which also makes uh, violence against us incredibly far more likely. Um, you know, between all of those fantastic things, it's hardly any wonder we don't go out <laughs> and meet more people. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I, I, I know that there's a thirst for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I see a lot of people, and I think really when you go through what essentially has been a traumatic experience yeah, you know that and it's not the only person yeah. you want i want to make sure i'm capturing that note uh the gays are thirsty okay right so i've got that down huh. um so you're, you're, you're so absolutely, funny you're absolutely, you're absolutely <laughs> right uh, when you when we've all collectively been through quite a traumatic uh, experience um and i think queer folks i remember pre-pandemic at least in ottawa and i think elsewhere um uh, board game clubs like blew up in terms of popularity Here just too. like geek out groups and you know those social meetup apps really became incredibly popular overnight mm -hmm. uh, and then you started to see queer expression happening um, in 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 places that are non-alcoholic by that I mean you know your your bowling your very aggressive uh, rollerblading lesbians, you know, all of these things kind of came together. We saw a, a flurry of, of queer expression. But I don't know if I don't know if I've necessarily seen that, you know, post pandemic. I say post pandemic in that quote. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I, you're right. And I think we have two sides of it. I think number one, we have to look at it from the point of view that everything is so much more expensive now, you know. Um, like eating 
and, um, you know, paying rent. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is down to, you know, not having that money for leisure at Mm -hmm. this time, right? And a lot of these things do require having some kind of consistent funds to be able to enjoy or partake in. Yeah. Um, But I also do think that, you know, there is a part of it that, yes, you go through a traumatic experience, such as going through an unprecedented event, such as COVID. uh, And it, it, you don't see people for a very long time, or you have to be very limited in who you're seeing and how, when, and in what venue. You become very aware of it, and you become very comfortable with being by yourself. You you know, mm-hmm. and and to you kind of forget how to socialize. You know, it becomes an awkward thing, and it can be very anxiety inducing. You in know, some you context. say you forget how to socialize, and I I agree with you on that one. I think that uh, our generation, millennials and, and older, there is definitely the uh, batten down the hatches, hide under your blankets kind of approach. But what I saw recently was a a major study out of the U.S. looking at rates of loneliness and depression, in particularly how much it's impacting young girls or so Gen Z. Uh, girls and very young women who have been unbelievably impacted by this, because of course that 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 the key moments of socialization I threw my pen across the room. <laughs> key moments of socialization. Just uh, very emphatic have, about this. I, I know. I'm all <laughs> the t- you can't tell on radio, but I'm I'm very uh, what's the word gestating? He's, yes, no, that's not right. He's using his hands. Yes, all about <laughs> very experienced at that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've lost my trail of thought with that oh, uh, double entendre. It was. A, it was um, a study. Yes, uh, lonely women. Um, but, you know, we're, we're seeing it, you know, across the board that the, the, the not just it, that, that I think this younger generation has been even, even more ad- like we are definitely adversely impacted by this crisis. But I think that with that, those sort of formative moments and those formative experiences being literally locked down, you know, I think that we're going to be feeling the impacts of this for for quite a while. I could see it. I could see that for sure. And I do think that, you know, when you miss out on, quote unquote, your messy 20s. Mm-hmm. You, or your terrible teens. Well, yeah. that too, right? You know, you do have, it It changes how you interact with the world. It does, you know. I would be curious to see how these people are developing five years down the road, 10 years down the road. It would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's that um, uh, that uh, docu-series they did in the UK. I can't remember the name of it uh, at the moment because, of course, I'm not. Oh, I'm is not that the one where they followed, like, four people for, like, 50 yeah, years? Yeah, it was like a yeah, group yeah, of school yeah. children. They followed them all through different stages of their lives. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it, I would be interested to see if they did one. Unfortunately, of course, the time is sort of has to start one now Mm -hmm. considering but it would have been interesting to start one say you know 2018 2019 and then go yeah do one now for it it would be fascinating i think i think the reason why this concerns me as a commentator on queer culture as you know someone who keeps an eye on lgbt news across canada and the world 
is we know simple facts, and that is that uh, a disproportionate amount of homeless folks are LGBT, for example. A disproportionate number of uh, unemployed or underemployed people are LGBT. You know, pick a stat, and it's more likely to be, in, you know, yeah. you're supposed to have those negative impacts uh, being queer. Um but we also know that, you know, our artisans, our creatives, our, you know, the folks who who make queer culture and, and share it, you know, unless you're a drag queen on RuPaul's Drag Race, I'm not sure how well we're doing uh, across the nation at the moment. Well, and you couldn't be because, again, you know, you have to be able to afford. There is an extra expense involved in um, in being creative because you have to, you know, be at least making enough for your bare essentials and mm -hmm. then to be able to afford to you know practice your craft to have the materials for it you know drag is not cheap mm, right no, it's true. so it really limits it and i do find like you can tell within music industries there's as an example who can afford to take the time for lessons for instruments for recording time you know it becomes the playground of a certain class and you lose a lot of voices that way. And I worry about how that's going to impact, uh, you know, particularly working class queer voices. No, I, I agree with you entirely. I think that it, it is definitely, um, it's definitely a concern. And I think, you know, I don't know, I don't know how folks are going to be, uh, express themselves and build uh, connection and build community now. A lot more of it is online. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, uh, TikTok actually, yeah. which does remind me if I can, if I can find it, uh, <laughs> we'll jump to our first, uh, our first track of the day. Um, but yeah, so I, well, let's let's touch on at least one one gay news story before <laughs> we jump to our first track, uh, and that is the story of uh, the petition. I think it's E four two six eight. Let me see if I can. F oh, that's that's not E four two six eight. Essentially, there was a petition from a, uh, a trans woman out of uh, Edmonton, uh, no Calgary, no sorry Waterloo. Got there in the end. Uh, Kate, that was uh, a long trip. It was a whole <laughs> trans-Canadian flyby right. before I got to the right place. Uh, so uh, Caitlin Glasson from Waterloo uh, did a great interview with CTV earlier this week about it, but filed a petition with the House of Commons. It's an incredibly short petition, so I'm going to read it. Uh, the petition to the House of Commons, whereas the world is becoming increasingly hostile to transgender and non-binary individuals, Transgender and non-binary people's right to live as themselves are being restricted and removed in many places. This includes so-called, quote, Western democracies, end quote, uh, which have historically been presumed safe. The United Kingdom is revising their Equalities Act to exclude trans people from its protections. And more than a dozen American states have enacted or are considering legislation eliminating or criminalizing gender-affirming care. And Canada has prided itself on being an inclusive, intolerant, and welcome society for everyone regardless of gender identity or gender expression. We, the undersigned residents of Canada, call upon the House of Commons to extend to transgender and non-binary people the right to claim an asylum in Canada 
by reason of eliminationist laws in their home countries, whatever country that may be. At time of recording or broadcast, this was we're at right now, this has 28,000 signatures, including the Green Party MP Mike Morris from Kitchener Center. I don't know, is this cracking open the floodgates for every trans person worldwide? You know, if, like, where would be, where would be, an, where would be a safe country for trans folks? If, you know, if the U.S., I mean, the U.S.A., there's, that's a pretty solid argument to make as being unsafe. But, you know, where do we, do we draw the line? Do we let every trans person in? You know, it's an interesting uh, uh, discussion point, I think. Well, I mean, you, you have to keep in mind, too, it's like not everyone is prepared to up and move. There's a lot of different factors, right? You've got family ties if, they, if there is, you know, family connections there. There is community. There's, it's, it's, if you feel acutely threatened for your safety, then you're going to, need to, you're going to be needing to seek asylum. Hmm. But I, I don't think it's going to be very, you know, this laissez-faire you know, open, you know, open the drawbridge and all, you know, this flood of people. coming. It's not going to be like that. That's not, you know, that, that doesn't really happen in the worst of circumstances, really. It's, uh, it's a big decision to make, you know, to, to upend your life, you know. No, you're right. You know, as someone who has uh, emigrated, I can agree with you. With it's someone who uh, I have done too. <laughs> <laughs> with experience, you know, it's right. 100%. Um, we are not even done February yet, and according to, I think it was uh, the HR, the Human Rights Commission in the U.S., there have already been over 300 anti-LGBTQ bills introduced in the United States at various pieces of legislature, um, which is more than the whole of 2022. Hmm. So in the last uh, less than a month, um, in it. So there are 91 uh, pieces of legislation banning access to health care, 39 banning access to participating in sport, 44 uh, which ban the education of LGBT topics in schools, 27 that ban drag shows, and uh, 12 banning trans people in general. Uh, across the United you know, you States. Can totally yeah, do it, that is, just... it is quite <laughs> horrific. It's got to the point now where there are serious concerns that these laws are so badly worded and they're in such a flurry to, to enact them in these various states in the United States that, for example, just those drag bans could effectively ban trans folks from being around because they're presenting in the agenda they're not assigned. Um, and it also could mean that there is a potential of being arrested at pride parades because you would be a drag artist open in the public and several of these bans ban that particular practice. It goes beyond that too because anyone who does not present their gender in a way that, you know, Joe, whoever perceives as being what you're supposed to present. Yeah. You can end up, you know, just for walking down the street. You know what I mean? It it that's so that's specificity, you know, really the lack of specificity opens up to all kinds of 
what essentially amounts to state-sanctioned state hate crimes. Yeah. Um, what we're seeing is we they've been introducing these all in 2022. There were multiple cases in 2022 where straight women who are maybe a bit on the butch side have been arrested for you know, uh, indecent exposure in a women's washroom right. only for it to, uh, you know, to emerge that they are actually women. You know? And that's it. I, <laughs> this is where what came to mind because I actually, you know, I know a person who go, who has gone through that numerous times, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and it's like you don't even have to be trans. You don't have to. It, yeah. You just have to not be the traditionally stage. feminine yeah. enough. Exactly. Like. You know? It's pretty ridiculous. All right, we're going to jump to our first track. This is by a young Australian man called Jude York. Uh, I saw this on TikTok. Me and you are, uh, I think you're, me and you <laughs> send the most TikToks to each other uh, of anyone I know, uh, <laughs> except for maybe my sister. Uh, I, met my, 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 I met my mother yesterday, and we were talking about, uh, I was trying to get her to watch TikToks because I like to see her reaction to them. And uh, I had sent her 50 in the last month. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if that, what that says about me or if she just needs to check it more frequently. Um, my mom yeah. needs to get logged in. This is a hint, yeah. mother, because I know you'll be listening. Well, <laughs> the thing is, my partner, Jake, uh, he sent me a Facebook video of an Instagram reel of a TikTok I saw two months ago. I've had to. I know. Oh. I, it's, it's a weird generational divide in some respects because yeah. it's not necessarily all, you know, older people but there's there is a generational component it's to almost it like where a, instagram a stubbornness to evolve yeah, yeah they'll send instagrams of tiktoks instead of just going on tiktoks I yes I'm, i know i'm calling y'all out yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, that was really funny there jake but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know it was even funnier a month ago when i saw it the first time all right uh, i will calm down off of my high horse over this tiktok <laughs> where this is mr porcelain a fantastic track by jude york uh, check out his tiktok with the video of uh, he sing him singing this with his mother. It was Australian. Uh, he was a finalist to be the Australian Eurovision singer last mm. year. Not this year. Um, but his vocals are very well received. And we will be back just after this. Self-deprecating I hold my head high most of the time Light the candle, I light as stuff pleases He changes the seasons Is it getting hard in here? Oh, he's so attractive, could never be him I think he might break if my hands touched his skin I've never been so close to such pretty things And it hurts to be only of earth Mr. Porcelain doll, Mr. Instagram scroll Mr. Flatter me enough just to keep me on my toes Does it ever get lonely up there on the wall To be looked at but never to hold Mr. Porcelain doll I could never, oh, I could never, oh, I could never He wasn't made to hold Mistook me for an ex that he meant to text back My heart's beating out my chest I think he said You're so attractive, where do I begin? I think you might break if my hands touch your skin I've 
never been so close to such pretty things And it hurts that you're so down to earth Miss the porcelain doll, miss the 20 years old Miss the flatter me enough as if I didn't know Does it ever get lonely, a rose on the wall To be looked at but never to hold Miss the porcelain doll I could never, I could never Hello and welcome back to Cancre, your home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Alex. And you are replacing Sebastian this week. So, <laughs> yeah, we have, uh, last, a couple of weeks ago I replaced him with a robot. Um, I, you are definitely a step up from a robot. So, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely appreciate Why, that. Thank one. you. Although the, the voice synthesizer I used was called American Male Silky. And he was supposed to be like a, like, a, like a silky voice. And I was like, ooh, silky, that sounds seductive. No, it was very, uh, very robotic. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Sure. I'm not sure yet if uh, robots make for a better Sebastian. But uh, I think you're definitely a, a damn close second uh, ahead of the robot that is. All right. Um, let's take a bit of a somber moment now. Uh, to talk about a new story out of the United Kingdom, and this is one um, that we've we've been keeping an eye on. It was we are going to be talking about the recent murder of a young uh, trans girl in Cheshire. Um, we saw when it happened about a week or so ago. We hadn't necessarily brought it up uh, here in our Canadian queer news uh, show. However, it has become very much a uh, a crystallized moment, I think, in Britain. There's doing there's a lot of uh, self-reflection happening right now in Britain. Um, before I get into that, it makes me wonder about... I was listening to, I believe it was either The Current or Front Burner by the CBC, and they were talking about with the Scottish leader uh, leaving office, Nicola Sturgeon leaving office and now moving on to someone else. Uh, it was the imprisonment of a trans woman uh, who was a significant uh, repeat rapist being housed in a trans women's, uh, sorry, in a women's prison is said to have been one of the nails that did Nicola Sturgeon in. Uh, anyway, this conversation that I listened to was about the idea that uh, we've definitely reached a moment in time that is so divided 
so extreme, so partisan. Like we we all seem to be further away from each other on things, uh, and and not like there's no middle ground left. It's just barbed wire and bodies. Like we're just in trenches on either side. Uh, and his argument was is that maybe we're moving a little bit past that. Maybe we've we've hit the peak, and now we're moving away from it. And the other thing I'll add, because I want you to think about this, is so many times on the show, we have talked about how there is such a radical pushback against trans rights, trans activists, uh, trans access to healthcare, playing rugby, like you name it, it's become a major hot topic issue. Um, but in reality, there have been several polls in the United Kingdom that find the actual majority of people um, honestly not that bothered not that bothered you know live and let live is very much the approach you know it's it, as long as you know if i'm in the washroom and you're in the washroom as long as you're not literally over the same bowl you do you yeah you know what i mean mind your like, business yeah, like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm over here minding all of my business you're over there minding all of your business yeah and let's just carry on with our day yeah. you know and i think sometimes that the the majority who are frankly just not that bothered uh is silent and it is these radical ends of the spectrum that seem to be making up a lot of noise you know what are you, what are your thoughts on that i realize you've wandered around and we'll we'll get back to the, <laughs> what was the question we'll, again we'll get back to the murder of uh, Brianna Gay in, in just a moment but yeah. you know are we are we further apart are we irreconcilable um I do this I, to Sebastian yeah, all the time. No, by the way. I know, and he <laughs> never fails to call you out on it, which I'm not going to do because <laughs> uh, I know it's all connected points. I'd probably do the same. However, I think you have to look at. I think you have to remember that a lot of it is um, political distraction. Um, I've always, I've always this roundabout myself here. Um, I always think back to my mom found on YouTube years ago this, uh, the very first Canadian Prime Minister leaders, party leaders debate. Mm -hmm. This is from like the 60, late 60s, early 70s. And it was fascinating to watch because it was so, like, I know this is sort of goofy, but it's so civilized, quote unquote. I'm using air quotes right now. Um, but the reason for a lot of that was because it was, uh, I think it was three different party leaders, and they were all coming at a common problem from a different angle. Yeah. There was always yeah. this focus of, you know, we are going to discuss this issue mm. together. And we may come at it from different angles, but it's all about finding a common solution to a common problem. And the what I find interesting nowadays is that um, it, now it's not about that. It is about distraction from a problem. It is about um, denying something is a problem in a lot of cases and trying to invent a separate problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Thunder and and it's all sure. down along party lines, of course. And a lot of times it is, you know, we come at it from this perspective of our party is our team. 
So you will have a lot of situations. So why I say this is because you will find certain groups fall along certain party lines and want to deny the premise of the issue and want to create and invent an issue that isn't an issue or that is not the issue's heart I mean, I to play, to, you know? Yeah. So we end up with these situations where I would say that, yes, most people are not concerned with a trans person walking into a bathroom as long as you mind your business, whatever, you know? Um, they are not concerned with drag shows at the local library because they've been to drag shows. They know, you know what I mean? Most mm. reasonable people will. Um, a lot of it is base incitement, mm. you know, based on what I call politics as team sport. Yeah. No, I think you've, you've nailed it. You've nailed it on the head there, you know. And Canada is not immune. You know, no. we, we are seeing uh, people protesting libraries in yeah. Canada, which is truly mind-boggling. You know, how, like, how, how, how little plans do you have that standing in front of a library in this weather, mm. <laughs> you know, to protest somebody reading a book yeah. that your children aren't even going to? Like, yeah. I mean, it's just, it is, it, it's becoming preposterous. You know it what I is. mean? It is, and really the, what is. scares me is that there are some um, LGBTQ people who are, well, I will, <laughs> generally not speaking, not, uh, not the T, <laughs> but there are queer people who are, saying these things to me talking about well they're doing inappropriate things at these I'm like what are you talking what <laughs> you know no, no, these are, you're these not are you know you're books. feeling yeah, these yeah. you're you're seeing these things based on you know certain media and you're having an emotional reaction to it mm. Without seeking out further knowledge. It reminds me of that, uh, I'm going to completely forget the name of the philosophy. It might be, I think, I want to say something like Aristotle's cave or Socrates' cave or what have you. It's the idea that uh, these cave dwellers are looking up and they just see shadows and they're seen as these divine spirits and yeah. so on and so forth. But it's just the people who left the cage, <laughs> cave yeah. and it's the light coming back in. Yeah. You know, and it's that idea of having a. Um, for some reason, my mind is saying wind tunnel, but it's not wind tunnel. It's tunnel like, vision. Task one. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why I got wind tunnel, but tunnel vision. You were halfway there. Um, is, uh, <laughs> is is a real challenge. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, look, it's not about bathrooms and rugby and you know reading stories in in libraries. It's yeah. about do we can we trust people to go about their day to day. And if there's actual harm, there are actual laws yeah. that will that will intervene. Already will yeah, take yeah, care yeah, of exactly. this issue. We don't need to invent more reason and more uh, inspire more hate. And I think that that actually sub you know segues nicely uh, or segues to I think why this murder of Priyana has been such an issue in the UK. Trans folks have been used as a political punching bag. Absolutely. You know, you're a transphobe. Oh, you're so terrible. Or, you know, this is outrageous. We need to have, you know, common sense thinking on this. And yeah. anyone who thinks otherwise is non, you know, is nonsensical. And it's they, but in the middle of all that, trans folks, their existence, their ability to 
go to a washroom, their ability to participate in, in any kind of sport has become a public arena of debate. And what we do know is that uh, many of Brianna's schoolmates at the time in this Cheshire school uh, indicated that she had been bullied for, at this point, years. Of course. And uh, on February the, I believe it was the 12th, uh, in a public park, a 15-year-old and a 16-year-old boy and girl, um, well, they've been arrested for murder uh, as a result of taking Brianna's life in this park in Cheshire in England. Um, the Cheshire police didn't initially treat it as a hate crime. That was quickly uh, revised when I think the scale of... of oh, the outcry. Exactly. Um, became apparent. And a lot of folks are saying, like, look, all this vitriol, all of this, you know, political ping pong with these people is starting to make more behavior acceptable where 10 years ago we would have shuddered at the thought. You know what I mean? And now we've now it's gone too far. And we're like, OK, can we can we walk this back somehow? Well, it was it always did go too far. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it was always this, you know. Ignorance that was not put in check, you know? Um, I know there's a lot of talk over there about, you know, the, you know, the, the, how places like Mumsnet have sort of galvanized this anti-trans uh, community and given them, you know, political clout and things like that. And it's given them a venue uh, to organize. And uh, it, yeah, I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's a very small group that was leveraged, that was used um, by larger political forces to give politicians, different people uh, in society, a boogeyman mm. to, you know, to sort of direct people's vitriol, direct people's energy away from things that would be going on, say, in Parliament, say, cost of living crisis, things of that nature. Yeah. You know, I do think that that's, at, at its core, I always think that whenever that kind of thing happens, it's, you know, and it's blown up to this point. What I find interesting is the now lack of responsibility that these anti-trans people are now taking for their part in this. Yeah, I think, but I mean, I think there is concern to be raised on both the right and the left. You know, we, even this show, has raised major concerns about the, the rise in vitriol and, and uh, how this has become such a major issue. Case in point, there have been over a thousand contributors and former writers, former staff to the New York Times who wrote a letter to the New York Times standards editor and essentially said, look, you know, a lot of a lot of New York Times journalists have appropriately covered trans issues at the New York Times. However, when taken it in its entirety, it is incredibly lopsided. They point mm -hmm. out 
that according to, because we talked about it recently, the recent census in the U.S., that found that it was like 0.5% of the U.S. population is actually trans. However, the New York Times had 15,000 words on its front page over the last couple of years about uh, coverage of medical care for trans youth, mm -hmm. despite making up a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the actual community. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that. It's, it's on a r whole range of things. Um, they don't, they, there is a lack of fact-checking when uh, people are referred to as patient zero, for example. It's just, it's, it hasn't been taken critical. And I think the best way to explain why this is an issue is the New York Times itself, among many others, turned a blind eye to the AIDS epidemic and, and HIV. And it wasn't necessarily promoting misinformation, but it was promoting a complete lack of any information or only uh, uh, the deaths figures of homosexuals that have been struck down by it. Yeah. You know, and what that does is it, it silences the nuance of it. It, it creates this sense of, um, of, of, I don't know, it, it distorts the reality in many ways. And I think that people were concerned about that. The Gays and Lesbians Against Defamation, uh, GLAD, or the Gays and, yeah, Gays and Lesbians Against Defamation, which is a, uh, one of the uh, North America's leading um, LGBT organizations. So Association Against Defamation. Yeah, that's yeah. the yeah. one. Um, <laughs> I was like, there's an A missing here. <laughs> and those and about 100 other organizations also wrote a letter to the New York Times, you know, stating the same thing. You know, they're taking their lead from... Uh, GLAD accuses the New York Times of taking the lead from right-wing pundits and right-wing groups. But I think that this is all connected. You know, I talked about how in the UK trans rights are being a punching ball, how the New York Times is putting 15,000 words on, a, on of stories that reflect a, a, a minuscule number of actual Americans. Yep. You know, it's not just the extremity of these positions that are being etched in stone, but it's the sheer volume of noise that is so disproportionate to the actual number of people uh, affected by this. Well, there's two two pieces of it, too, as well. Uh, there is the the fact that it's like, what are, you know, they, they take a lot of their cues from what politicians are talking about, right? So, you know, if there is noise being made about this thing by people with, you know, power and influence, then they want to talk about it. Um, you also have to keep in mind, too, that these are uh, large multinationals that own a lot of these papers and, and news sources. And so there is a degree of editorial bias, you know, one way or another, uh, that, that, that leads into it. So they will want to talk about these things at the expense of other things that would affect everyday people. Uh, I mean, to whatever end that they want, but yeah. it does, you know, it leads back to my distraction theory, honestly. Um, and it's just sad because this is where we end up with someone like Brianna Gay. You know, all this noise creates more fear, creates more vitriol, creates this environment where this can happen, you know, because the kids don't hate on their own at the end yeah. of the day. They got to get it from somewhere. We don't come into this world fearing and hating each other. No. Right? No. So that comes from, it comes from the parents who get, you know, who 
read about these things, who hear about these things. Um, and they're not necessarily doing the work. I mean, the average person is not going to go out of their way to Google this issue or that issue if mm -hmm. they're not personally, you know, day to day going to be affected by it. You no, know? yeah, I, I, I agree. So they're going to take yeah. that at face value. And if that is a lot of noise happening, they're going to think this is a big issue. Mm -hmm. And then they become afraid of it. And then that, you know what I mean? And the more negative things you hear about something that you don't have personal experience with, you know, the yeah. more angry you, you, you could feel about it very easily. And it's, it's impacting a large number of people. Absolutely. The international, uh, oh, it's an acronym. Let me get the name of the acronym. <laughs> Uh, the, mm, nope, still haven't found it. The International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans, and Intersex Association, the ILGA, uh, which is a major organization out of Europe, they found that 2022 was the most violent year in over a decade for, for, for LGBT people in Europe and Central Asia. You know, and they point to, among other things, the uh, when the, the shooting that happened at the gay bar in Oslo, mm. in uh, um, I want to say Sweden, um, or the attack on Oslo's uh, in Norway, Norway, sorry, <laughs> or the attack in Bratislava in Slovakia as well, you know, and it's just there have been so many in the, the murder in Sligo Island that uh, we also reported on in 2022. And the, uh, it's there's the one in the states too, which for oh the, the Americans. I, I mean that that's a that's a that's a very substantial list of people. Yeah. But I think what it shows is that we have th these these tensions and these points of conflict have been bubbling and bubbling and bubbling, and now it's getting violent and people are being murdered. And I think we need to figure out how do we hit the brakes on this and dial it back yeah. uh, a little bit. Well, they've been mur murdered for a long time regardless though yeah, keep in mind too but it's, these it's larger particularly cases bad right absolutely now. yeah all right we're gonna be playing uh superhuman by the pairs we will be back just after this pent up energy in the form of a hardness in the form of a blinding I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
Hello and welcome back to Cancri, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Alex. And uh, we were talking about all things uh, gay uh, earlier. Um, and we'll continue to. We will continue to. <laughs> uh, we were chatting over... Um, you You shared the, the... Let me. I think it was the Waller Cup on Facebook. I want to make sure I get the name of the cup correct. You did? Um <laughs> Ah, let me just see. It was the. It's an ancient Roman artifact. Oh, I did not share that one. That wasn't. Oh no, I did the cup. I did. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I thought <laughs> you shared the cup. Reject modernity. Embrace tradition. <laughs> um, let me try. I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah, the Warren Cup. Uh, it is a silver drinking cup. Uh, it's in the British Museum, and the British Museum tweeted it out as part of LGBT. Uh, History Month. <laughs> um, and anyway, this particular cup is a little bit. Uh, Risque. It is a little risque. <laughs> uh, and anyways, I dropped a comment that I think that they were just roommates uh, in the uh, in the cup. <laughs> Anyone who has seen the Warren Cup will be very much aware of how maybe it's not. That maybe they're not roommates. Maybe do not, it's, maybe do it's not a look more. at this picture at work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the reason why I bring it up is because a six and a half inch wooden instrument... Uh, has been found in a, a, an archaeological dig from a Roman auxiliary fort in Northumberland. Now, originally, this particular instrument uh, had been found in 1922, uh, and despite its rather identifiable shape, uh, it, uh, it was classed as just like a peg. And this was very much giving me the peg is the word for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, it's, it's. They they very much believed that maybe it, they they were like we don't know what it was, although it was evident what it may have. You know, your your, your first thoughts not Occam's razor is all I'm gonna say. You know, um, but anyway, now recently a at Newcastle University they have discovered that maybe it is what you think it is when you see it uh, and what it says on the tin. So this is a six and a half inch uh, ancient Roman artifact find uh, found in Northumberland, uh, where now in the grand tradition of maybe their roommates, uh, science has decided that perhaps uh, these are actually instruments of um, intimacy. 
that the Romans uh, had used at the time. I'm getting very good at this double. Oh, you're. Oh my. I know uh, it's uh, it's a whole king of euphemism. You. <laughs> it's, a whole, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Years of practice. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, a Malaysian MP who was rather concerned about how pre-exposure prophylactics um, for those who are not familiar, although I imagine hopefully everybody is. Uh, do you know? You must be familiar with what prep is. Never heard of that. <laughs> do you want to quickly uh, for oh, our yes. audience uh, break it down uh it is well i'm not on it so i don't know exactly how it works but um it is a uh a pill regimen that you would take in order to avoid hiv exposure yeah so essentially hiv once it gets into your system it replicates in the cells and then it is an absolute nightmare to get rid of you can through a through following actual you know your your prescribed uh, medication if you have hiv you become you can have such a low replication rate that it's effectively zero like it's it's really 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 close to zero it's not scientifically zero uh but undetectable means untransmittable if it is so low that they can't find it uh, though obviously they can't prove that it's not there, um, then you can't transmit it. But uh, what PrEP is, pre-exposure prophylactics, is essentially taking, uh, the best way to think of it is taking anti-HIV medications before you get HIV, and it stops the HIV from taking hold in your cells and being replicated in the first place. It is, and I'm not under, I'm not, I cannot emphasize this enough, it is an absolute game changer in terms of LGBT health because it means that people in serodiscordant relationships, meaning one person in that relationship has HIV and the other one doesn't, uh, are no longer transmitting it. It means that the rates of people catching HIV from simply not knowing their status, uh, which is not a legal reason in Canada, um, you know, you can protect yourself against that. Uh, and it, it, it's it's having serious impacts on the rates of transmissions in places where it's being used. Well, now in Malaysia, the, uh, the health industry there is looking at rolling out pre-exposure prophylactics. Now, in Malaysia, uh, it is, there are all 13 states under the federal territory all have same-sex, uh, I believe, bans. There's a penal code punishing anal or ulnar sex up to 20 years in prison, uh, as well as caning. So, you know, just as a whole, not okay. And this MP um, was asking, uh, Ahmad Yaya was asking about how the Malaysian health industry is going to stop the increase in gays if they introduce pre-exposure pre -exposure prophylactics. Yeah. That was a lot. That <laughs> was not a lot. going me, to work. <laughs> let, me, let me try that again. Because so, I realized it took me a long time to get there. So the HIV, in the airport, yeah, this, <laughs> this medication stops HIV from spreading. It's not just used by gay men. It's used by intravenous drug users, uh, mother-to-child transmission, and so on and so forth. Um, and uh, the Malaysian MP is concerned that if this becomes available, there might be a rise in the number of homosexuals. And I think that in a weird way, he might be right. 
weird way is the uh, it, you, it, that's doing a lot of work there. Yeah, the, the way, uh, it's, <laughs> it's doing some heavy lifting. Okay, let me let me think it through here. The <laughs> reason why I think he's right, and this is, I believe, the same reason why uh, Ahmadinejad, Ahmadinejad uh, in Iran was talking about how there's no gays in Iran. It kind of negates the fact that there are gay people. He was talking about queer identity in that case. But gay people do exist in Malaysia. However, I suspect that a lot of them are not having uh, open intercourse on account of the rates of HIV in the community. And if they had access to this medication that was able to make them safe or safer, um, then it becomes more of an option to be doing this out and about in the privacy of your own home. So I think it may not be a case of the, this leading to an increase in gay people, but maybe an increase in the already existing gay people feeling safe enough to partake, let's say. I mean, yes, and I get where you're coming from with that. I think it feeds into this somewhat dangerous notion that HIV is a quote-unquote gay disease, of mm, course, you know, mm. um, which extends all the way back to the beginning of the, of the epidemic because, you know, we were the ones who would have been uh, – who, who people would have noticed – were getting it first, yeah. right, and who got the media coverage, such as it was, of be of having this disease and dying of it. I mean, eventually. So, yes. well, yes. Uh, so, you know, it it is a notion one would want to fight against. Uh, but I get where you're coming from at this angle. You know, you there is obviously this sort of quote-unquote need by mm -hmm. certain governments to sort of downplay uh, not downplay but well, uh, I, I think maybe to, to add more clarity here when we often see international leaders and and members of various houses and you know making outrageous statements and it's very easy to sit back and go ha ha you're an idiot obviously there's gay people in Iran or ha 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 medication doesn't cause more gay no. people. But what I think it does is it hides a broader discussion about the indigeneity in terms of expression of queerness in these places, but also how, meaning how folks in those places express themselves and, um, without the sort of Western design of, yeah. of being gay. Um, but also, you know, I think it, it, it speaks volumes about much larger topics than... The, the face value, haha, -ha, obviously, practice yeah. and cause gays. I do think that a lot of it is trying to stamp out a sense that it it's sort of shorthand what they're doing to sort of uh, it's a shorthand to sort of be like, you know, we we are concerned that a proliferation of prep is going to give queer people, gay men, mm. a sort of sense of liberation, a sort of sense of, uh, you know, then they're going to organize and demand rights. And you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's sort of, thing, be drag you know, queens on the main yeah, it's, yeah. It sort uh, of yeah, gives, gives, yeah, it to... gives way to, um, political organization. It gives way to, uh, you know, a feeling of autonomy. Mm. 
so that that's ultimately what they're trying to stamp out before it proliferates. Absolutely. You know, well, so I, we can laugh about it, but yeah, I think that's what they're to, saying without saying it. Yeah, it speaks to much, much broader issues. Just in other news, Spain has introduced a gender recognition law, which I believe makes uh, gender identity self-identified. So much like what Scotland tried to introduce and what Ireland and New Zealand have in place. Uh, and there were a couple of other updates from Europe that we didn't get time for today, which we might pick up next week. Uh, next week? Next week. Uh, we are playing out with Small Towns, and uh, I have been Luke Smith. I have been Alex. And thank you so much for coming in and joining thank us you. and uh, replacing Sebastian, um, who is unwell today, uh, and hopefully we'll see him back.